0: We're looking at the subject this morning from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and following, of the contrast of light versus darkness. You'll notice from your bulletin outline that God is the God of light. I pointed out in the introduction to this study that John is the Bible author who loves to teach using contrasts. It's a good teaching tool. He loves to do this, so he gives us contrast between such things as life and death, truth and lies, love and hate, God and the devil, Christ and antichrist, and also in verse 5 of our text between light and darkness. This theme of light and darkness is found repeatedly in John's writings, he's not talking about the light bulb here and darkness that starts about 6, 630 nowadays. He's not talking about that. Those would simply be illustrations of how light and darkness affects us. He is talking about truth and error that is found in the world. For example, and his, his writings are full of this. John 1, verse 4, not 1 John, but John 1. The gospel. John 1, verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. But right away you see this contrast, and you you get the feeling of tension. A few verses later, John 1, verse 7 and following, speaking of the baptizer. It says, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through... Him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Or a chapter so later, John 3, verse 19 and following. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because... Their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done, he has done through God. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or in John 9, verse 5. While I am in the world, says Jesus, I am the light of the world. Or John 12, verse 35 and following. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going, but your trust is in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. And then in that same chapter, chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What I'm showing here is that clearly John is using the term light to describe Jesus Christ and his ministry as he came into our world. And he's using the term darkness as the antonym, the direct opposite of all that Jesus was and stood for. So it's this contrast again. But there's more here. The term light is not just to show the opposite of darkness, though that is included. Anyone would know that. There's a difference between light and there's a difference between darkness. But John uses the term light synonymous with what is good, what's pure, what's true, what's right. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 6 of our text. If we claim to have fellowship with him, God, yet walk in darkness... We lie and do not live by the truth, which would be what? The light. So darkness and lies go together, and light and truth go together. In the Gospel account of John, we noted that the term light is used of Jesus Christ as he came into the world. Now notice verse 5 of our text. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus and declare to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So what we must grasp here is that John was just, has just taught us that his fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 3, so any claim that we would make to be in fellowship with God, verse 6, must be understood to indicate that we must be children of the light for such a claim to have validity. If God is light and Christ is light, if the, these persons of the Godhead are truth and righteousness and so on, so if we say, well, I'm walking in the light, but we're living in darkness, then something's very, very wrong. God is light, that is, he is a God who evidences purity and truth, goodness, and righteousness. Jesus is God's light come into the world, like Father, like Son. Here we are. There is no disparity between the Father and the Son, nor with the Holy Spirit, to add another person of the Godhead. All the members of the Godhead, that which John simply calls God, are persons of light, and in them there is no darkness at all there have been philosophical discussions in history about the nature of god especially in the early days but still goes on what is god like it's a good question people ask is he good is he moral What are the ethics of God? What is his brand of morality? Is he a good God or is he an evil God? Does God lie to men? Does he deceive? Is he a manipulator? Is there anything in God which is shady or underhanded which is sinister, cruel, vindictive, corrupt. Analyzing God. It's all been done. If you've in our study of the book of Job years ago, we talked about theodicy. T H E O D I C Y. Theodicy. This is the notion of men that God is either now listen either good or all-powerful, but he can't be both. This is what the critics say, because a good and all-powerful God would do something about the ills of our world, including such things as murder and rape and death by disease and starvation and disaster like the hurricane that just went up the... Eastern seaboard. So, either he's a good God or he's an evil God or or all-powerful God, but he can't be both. They say maybe God is good, but not all-powerful. Well, think about that. He's good, okay, but he's not all-powerful. And that would explain why evil persists. We could say it this way. He would like to do something about evil, but he just, you know, he just doesn't have the ability to thwart evil. Or to flip the coin, maybe God is all powerful, but he's evil. And that would explain why evil things continue, because he approves of evil. So he won't do anything about it. That's theodicy. The problem with these either or assertions is that they are all the inventions of man's intellect in an attempt to box God into one of two courses of action and make him answer to human logic as though our logic was pure and holy and not biased and not blinded by our own hateful posture towards God and by our sin. Verse 8 and following of this text. We assume that we can see clearly as men. John's declaration, verse 5, the message he proclaims to his readers and to us is that the God of the Bible is light and of such light that in him there is no darkness at all. You're getting a definition here of God that the world just doesn't understand. It will never do to reinvent God using human beings as the model. We like to say, well, you know, there's good in all men. While at the same time acknowledging that the same people we brand as good do some pretty terrible things at times. And so we've come to coexist with a definition of good That allows for evil in the same person. We make statements like, well, you know, Ralph is really good at heart. But boy, when he gets drunk, there's like a devil in him. Or we say, Jane is the sweetest person I know, she wouldn't hurt a fly. But when she's angry, she has a scalding tongue. So in one breath, we are praising the virtues of a person, and in the next, we are admitting that there are serious flaws. And the Bible calls those flaws S-I-N, sin. The Bible calls it sin. But the worse, we are willing to say is well you know everyone makes mistakes or no one is perfect John writes us writes to us to know that there is someone who is perfect there is and that person is the triune god consisting of father son and holy spirit god cannot lie and therefore Does not lie, Hebrews 6 verse 18, says it is impossible for God to lie. And therefore Titus 1 verse 2 says, God does not lie. One of Jesus' most astounding claims was this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14 verse 6. John 1, verse 14, Jesus' incarnation is described. The word became flesh flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Then the writer of Hebrews says, Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. There is a person in the universe like this. John is writing to these people that are being affected by this Gnostic philosophy. Oh, if you really want to know anything, you come to those that know. Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know or understand. Don't deal with people that don't know. Come to us. We know. We will show you the way. Jesus is described by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 as him who had no sin. So while we struggle with ourselves and our sinful ideas and concepts, he says of Christ, he was one that had no sin. Now, all of these truths are summed up in John's declaration, God is light. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So God is not part light and part dark. Such is impossible because darkness cannot exist in a room where there is light, even a a match flame think about this, is ample enough to illuminate a dark cave and show a lost explorer the way out. might not be much of a light, but it will dispel the darkness. Think then of the brilliance of God's glory as he shines in all of his virtues, in all of his truth, in all of his righteousness. In him and with him there is no darkness at all is light. Secondly, verse 6. Those in fellowship with God do not walk in the darkness. Verse 6 says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live by the truth. One of the other contrasts that you will repeatedly find in this epistle is the contrast between what men claim and what is reality. Between what people say and what they do. And what I like about John is that there is no gray areas with this man. There is no ambiguity as to where a person might stand in reference to God when he or she makes certain claims. Here he tells us, if we claim to have fellowship with God, his son, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. It is incongruous because of the character of Jesus, who is truth personified, to claim fellowship with him while at the same time walking in the darkness. Why? Because Jesus is not darkness. That's why. In him there's no darkness at all. What's fellowship? Fellowship means agreement, doesn't it? Fellowship is commonality. Fellowship is you loving what I love and me loving what you love. Fellowship is you and I having the same value system, the same inner character that agrees with a certain course of behavior or conduct. Well, the same goes for God. You and I cannot truly claim to be in fellowship with God while our whole life is a lie. While we care little for what God values, while we live like the devil, while we prefer sin and selfishness greed, and pride over righteousness, selflessness, generosity, and humility. How can we say that we're walking with God when the things that we do in terms of our behavior are the direct opposite? John answers in chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Isn't that That's pretty clear. Notice that John uses the term walk. Again, it's it's in our text. Walk in darkness, verse 6. Again, verse 7, walk in the light. A walk is a way of life. It is synonymous with consistency, with pattern, with routine, with normality. It's not the same as as an expression, would you like to take a walk with me down by Lake Huron? because you're visiting us over in the Lexington area. This is not the same. You may never visit there again. But when the Bible uses the word walk, it's talking about your pattern of life, where you're putting your foot down, where, where you're traveling on the road to righteousness that's through the narrow gate or the broad road leading to destruction. Now, John uses the word walk similarly to how we speak of different paths people take in life. We might say, son, I'm so thankful that you're not like your older brother Carl because he chose a path of drug abuse and crime. What we are saying is that Carl is walking on the wrong side of morality and the law. His life demonstrates a direction towards self-destruction and criminal conduct. That's his life, his walk, his way of living, his behavioral choices, his preferences of lifestyle. And now John is not claiming that we as human beings can live sinless lives. He's not saying that in the sense of perfection. We'll look at that next week, verse 8 and 9. But he is teaching That we can walk in the light as God is light. And indeed that that is the way we must live for any claim of fellowship with God to be genuine. My pathway has to be with God. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. By the way, if you don't like being called a liar for your inconsistencies, you are not going to like like the little book of little John because he whips his term out many times. One of the things that I appreciate so deeply about this little book is John's in-your-face confrontation when we say one thing and live another way. Since God is a God of truth, it is refreshing to find a Bible author willing to call a spade a spade. Live a lie and John will call you a liar. You see, claims can be made by anyone and are. Give me a man who holds the mirror of God's word in front of me to show me what I am. Why? Solomon put it this way, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Think about that. I'm going to say it again. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27 verse 6. Jesus put it this way. Then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. John 8 verse 32. James warns us. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word. But does not do what it says. Is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. But after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James 1, verse 22 and following. And James is saying that the mirror of God's word tells a true picture of what you and I are by nature. If we see it and act upon its truth, we are doers of the word, which calls us to repent, it calls us to faith which results in a changed life. But if we forget what we saw, and if we fail to act, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're better off than we are. People do this in a number of ways. One way is to blunt the blade, the blade of God's sword which is the word of God. We do that by saying, oh, that's just the preacher's interpretation. John the Apostle of Christ tells us that if we claim fellowship with God while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Now, I didn't say that, did I? I just read it for you. Verse 6. There are thousands and thousands of people in hell today that find themselves there because all of their life, every time they heard a gospel sermon or a gospel witness, they dismissed it as the preacher's interpretation. Instead of looking at the Bible, reading it as the word directly from God or the witness that's been given to them by a Christian brother or sister it was their way of self-deception to make them feel comfortable about continuing in rebellion to God people do this all the time so that's one thing that people do another way we fail to be doers of the word is by minimizing what it says John uses a very strong term. He uses the term liar. And therefore he cuts a path between black and white. And we come along and say, I don't know about that. Isn't liar a little too strong? I I, I wouldn't put it that way. I mean, after all, no one is perfect. I, I think I can have fellowship with God on my own terms so long as I do my best. Such people substitute sincerity for obedience. and They think God will approve that the same as obedience. It isn't lies that set people free, brethren. It's truth. And the truth hurts at times. It does. But far better the wounds of a friend than the kisses... ...of an enemy. Truth is liberating... ...because it removes pretense... ...it removes deception... ...it removes lies... ...and misinterpretations. You can trust truth. You cannot trust lies. So... ...John is saying... ...make sure that you're not walking in darkness even though you claim that you're walking in the light. And then thirdly, only those who walk in the light are in fellowship with God. Wow, you seem to think that that would be kind of an obvious conclusion, right? Verse 7, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So here we learn that walking in the light does not mean having no sin, but it does address the sin problem. Fellowship with God means fellowship with His Son as well. The gospel is good news whether you believe it or not. Your unbelief does not alter the truth. It just makes you a fool for your denial. There's no fellowship with God so long as you are in denial that your sin has made a separation from you and God. Or so long as you think that God will walk hand in hand with you while you continue your life of darkness and rebellion. And young people, this is probably the most successful lie that Satan has foistered on your age group. Namely, that you can have all that the world has to offer. You can have money, you can have power, you can have prestige, you can have sex, you can respect your peers, and have salvation too. You can have it all. He would have you believe that there is no consequence for your actions for your behavior, for the way you live. You can have your sin, and Jesus too will be. I mean, who wouldn't want a salvation like that? Where do I sign up? I don't have to change. I just have to be me and add Jesus to me. Well, John, the disciple who knew Jesus' love like no other, says If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But there is no promise that if you continue to live your life with the deeds of darkness, there's no promise that the blood of Jesus has purified you of your sin. No, you're still in your sin. Or you wouldn't be living like you're living. In the next chapter, John warns, do not love the world or anything in the world. And if anyone loves the world... Then the love of the Father is not in him. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. 1 John 2, verse 15, verse 17. Jesus taught that you cannot serve God in money. John teaches you cannot love the world or the things in it and have eternal life. In other words, choices have to be made. You cannot have it all. None of us can have it all. Nor should we want to. God is not in what the world offers. He's opposed to what the world offers. The world is the devil's domain and its offerings come right out of the pit of hell. Dripping with honey but laced with deadly poison. May God help us all to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, what are some of the practical helps for living in this realm of light? Number one, first thing you have to do is to acknowledge God's definition of himself. Very important. And it's missing in our day. Acknowledge God's definition of himself. One of the gravest sins men commit against God is addressed in the first two of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Exodus 20, verse 4. The first command prohibits any view of God which is plural. There are not many gods. God is one. And he is the God who reveals himself through the words of the Bible. The second command prohibits us from fashioning God in ways in which we conceive him to be. What are idols? Idols are men's attempts to make God into what they want him to be. And God condemns this because men, because of our sin, always distort the character and the operations of God. Always. We hear it all the time. Well, my God would never send a hurricane on the coast of Florida that took a number of lives. Well, maybe your God wouldn't do that, but the God of the Bible would. And Dad. There's no such thing as an innocent person on the face of the earth. The Bible declares who and what God is. Judgment for idolatry is one thing that God does. You shall have no other gods before me. If you think the Bible is men inventing their own thoughts of God and then writing them down, you're wrong. You are wrong. Peter tells us plainly, no prophecy of Scripture, that Bible you got in front of you, no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. How many times have we heard people say, all all you do is read a Scripture to them. You say, well, that's your interpretation. All you did is read it. you didn't you didn't comment on it. you just you just read it. That, that's, they're being convicted what they, so they say, oh, that's your interpretation. And here, Peter says no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy, the message, never had its origin in the will of man. He's saying, men didn't think these things up. He goes on. But men spoke from God as they were carried along. The Greek is buoyed up like a a ship. When the tide comes in, it'll pick pick a boat up and allow it to sail off. Men spoke from God as they were buoyed along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. Paul adds this thought. All scripture, says Paul, is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16. The Spirit of God did, can and did, indwell the Bible authors and spoke through them and wrote using them so that the end product was God's words, not their own. And now John tells us in our text, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. This is God. There's no other God. So the first lesson for us is to acknowledge God as He is revealed. Don't reconstruct Him. Don't make Him out to be what you want Him to be. Just take Him for what He is. You might have to do a hard swallow. Because the God who is is very... It's like entering the Holy of Holies. A fearful thing. Secondly... We should learn that to have fellowship with God, you must be a person who walks in the light. You cannot reconstruct God the way you want him to be. And then you cannot also water down his character so as to make yourself look good. God is the opposite of darkness. Darkness stands for error, it stands for sin, disobedience, defiance of what is holy, right, and true. You cannot be dabbling in these things as a way of life, which is your walk, your normal behavior, and then claim to be in partnership with God. And John says that if you live like that, your claim is bogus because you are a... Uh, Liar. Someone is wrong and it isn't God. God is light, looks for children of light, for people who possess God's take on life and strive by his grace to implement those things which make us more God-like in our behavior. Is a process in sanctification. But it is noticeable. It's recognizable. And that's why John calls such liars who claim one thing and live another way. God is not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. If darkness is the realm of your existence. So don't be self-deceived. When you look into the mirror of God's word, what God shows you is for your good. It's to lead you to repentance. It's to lead you to forgiveness. Now, when we say that we walk in the light and we walk with Christ, we don't do so perfectly. There's only one perfect man, and that was Christ. So the third thing to learn here is that Jesus Blood purification for sin is a reality for those walking in the light. Only for those walking in the light. Salvation is not a provision, it is a procurement. God actually comes into our lives with his spirit and we are changed. We're changed permanently, graciously. Radically, from the inside out. A new nature is born from above, and the old is crucified with Christ. We die to old sinful thoughts and old sinful habits. And this brings us into fellowship with every other blood-bought sinner. Verse 7, we have fellowship with one another. God's family is like no other. What makes us family is the commonality of repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ and his crossword. We just got back, Don and I, from um, the church in Rochester, New York, where we went for the funeral service uh, for my brother in law. Those people treat us like royalty when we go there. We only get to visit maybe once or twice a year. But it's like it's like walking into heaven. I say, "Oh well, we'll take an offering up for you to pay for your expenses to travel in for the funeral." Who does that? They did that. That's God's people acting in a godly way. We have fellowship with one another because of the commonality of repentance and faith in Christ. What is repentance? Well, it's a turning away from all my sin and what I love. Faith is turning to God in Christ and all that He loves. Do you have this connection with God this morning? If not, there's no purification of sin. You're still in your sin. You're still guilty. You're on the broad road that leads to destruction God calls on you to do an about face, to turn around, to flee from the wrath to come and run into the safety of Jesus' open arms. Yes, we're called to fellowship with Christ. But then if we're going to be in partnership, that's what the word means, with Christ, we have to be one with him. The way he thinks and acts and does. Not perfectly because perfection is yet to come in the heavenly glory. But truly, you can be truly in fellowship with Christ, if not perfectly. The hymn writer penned it this way. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin, but the light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. It's shining for you. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. Paul says of Jesus, he has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption therefore as it is written let him who boasts boast in the lord first corinthians 1 verse 30 salvation is of the lord and when he draws you into his family he draws he's drawing you into the kingdom of light and out of the kingdom of darkness as paul teaches do well, i like a little bit of darkness well we should hate a little bit of darkness even though sometimes or many times we are involved in our sinfulness. Our goal, our aspirations, ought to be to be children of the light, not only in name but in our walk, our walk with the truth of righteousness. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're going to sing this hymn that I alluded to. I pray that you'll help us to sing with great understanding. Yes, we're to be children of the light and walk in the light. And while we cannot do it perfectly, we can do it, do it faithfully and truthfully. Help us to see that we cannot constantly be living in darkness and have the claim of fellowship with Christ be real. It can't be real. We have to walk away from darkness and into the light. For anyone here, for anyone out in the internet audience struggling with the whole idea of truth, what is truth, Pilate asked that of Jesus. What a question to ask when right before him stood the personification of truth. But he was blind, he couldn't see in Christ. For all the blind today, the blind spiritually, those that think they're okay those that would blunt the word of God, those that would make excuses for their sin. Lord, today shine the brightness of Jesus on them that they might be ashamed and that they might come to repentance and faith. Grant them what they do not have and what they do not want for only in Christ and his goodness and in his righteousness is their salvation. Honor yourself this day, we pray in Christ's name.